Welcome to the Inside Sales Enablement Podcast. Where has the profession been? Where is it now? And where is it heading? What does it mean to you, your company, other functions, the market? Find out here. Join the founding father of the sales enablement profession, Scott Santucci, and trailblazer Brian Lambert as they take you behind the scenes of the birth of an industry. The Inside Sales Enablement Podcast starts now. I'm Scott Santucci. I'm Brian Lambert. We are the Sales Enablement Insiders. Our podcast is for sales enablement leaders looking to elevate their function, expand their sphere of influence, and increase the span of control within their companies. Together, Brian and I have worked on over 100 different kinds of sales enablement initiatives as analysts, consultants, or practitioners. We've learned the hard way what works and maybe what's more important, what doesn't. Our focus is on you as sales enablement leaders and orchestrators. As an orchestrator, you need to be able to blend both strategy and tactics in order to execute. Our goal on this show is to help clarify the measures of success, provide examples of what that looks like, and give you confidence to engage up, down, and across the organization. As always, we start with a centering story. Scott, what do you have for us today? Okay, so today's centering story, uh, the, the time frame on this is 1,400. 1,400. Okay, got it. So let's, let's, let's imagine that a little bit. I'm imagining bit. that. In, in 1,400 in Florence, the Republic of Florence commissioned a whole bunch of sculptors because uh, to celebrate, hey, you know, we're done with the plague. I thought this was a little timely given what, where we are today. Uh, maybe some wishful thinking with... Uh, Maybe, maybe COVID would be over. Yeah. And one of the people who was commissioned, one of these sculptors that was commissioned, is someone we've talked about on the show before, Brian. Who might that oh, be? I don't know. We've talked about so many Italians for some reason. <laughs> <laughs> I know, a lot of Italians. Um. <laughs> My favorite, though, was Vilfredo Pareto. So was Tamara's. Um, that's a little <laughs> foreshadowing. Okay, uh, well, it's one that you brought up. Da Vinci? Oh, which one did I? Oh, um, I don't know. I can't remember, man. You, you're stumping me. I love it. So it's, it's 55 Fil- shows in, man. Filippo, Bruna. <laughs> Brunaleski. There you go. That's right. <laughs> so he actually started out as an engineer, and you brought it up in, 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 the yeah. pod- in our podcast about perspective, right? Perspective. But – so he didn't have perspective at, at this time in 1400. Uh, well, he didn't ah. have a concept of perspective. Obviously, we all have a perspective. Right. He just didn't put it on paper and make machines around it yet. So um, in 1400, he was just a sculptor. Gotcha. The, the sculpting, he wanted to make it more and more real. So he developed the concept of, of, um, of perspective. But I think one of the things that people don't realize about him is he's considered the father of modern architecture. And mm. if you go back and think about the Dumo, if you know anything about Florence, there's this beautiful, beautiful, beautiful Dumo. And it's uh, the, the largest dome that had been built since the antiquity, since the, since the largest dome ever built. And it's a big, 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 significant um, event in terms of architecture, construction. And one of his biggest innovations that hadn't been done before was the creation of drawings or what are now called, uh, what are called technical, uh, technical diagrams, which a lot of us today refer to as blueprints. Uh, so if he hadn't have done that, it would have been very impossible to break down the work, to describe the machines required to build this innovation, to help get everybody coordinated, dare I say, orchestrated, uh, in, in order to do that. So there's a whole bunch of things that we have. And Brunelleschi is considered the, the father of uh, modern engineering, uh, of planning, uh, construction, super, uh, construction supervision, all of these things he did. And he started out as a sculptor. He had to develop the concept of perspective in order to create this, uh, this amazing masterpiece which a lot of people call is, uh, you know, sort of the birthplace of, uh, you know, the, the, the Renaissance. You can't really put a pinpoint on it, but from an architectural standpoint, there's a big difference between the Dark Ages and where we are today. It's a very pivotal moment. All right, there you go. 
So what? So what? <laughs> right. Does that have to do with sales enablement? Well, the reason it has something to do with sales enablement is in today, in today's modern world, have you ever wondered how, how is it that uh, a company can assemble a whole bunch of laborers together that um, many of them aren't even college educated, can pull all those people together and they can build a building or build a house really, really quickly with a lot of changes that, that are being made to, to, be, to, to, to the spec of different people and everybody has their own lens and their own perspective and this thing gets built. Right. HVAC works, the electricity works, uh, the laborers know what to do because things are coded uh, and and diagrammed out. Um, You can hire individual contractors to do, to do that work. All of it is because it's orchestrated to be to these, uh, these construction designs. And the reason that this is important and one of the things that we're going to talk about on this show today is how important it is to have a charter and really envision what your charter really is, what your mission is, what your, what your focus, what foundations are you laying? Because ultimately, we have to move out of the dark ages with how we're doing with sales enablement and have a renaissance period of where we think differently. And that's really what we want to talk about today. Awesome. Well, that's great. Well, I'm excited to... Uh to talk about this. And I know we have a very special guest on the show today. Scott, why don't you introduce her? So I'm, I'm very excited. So our, our guest today is uh, Tamara Shank. And Tamara and I go but way back also with, with, with you, Brian. Tamara was one of the members of the Sales Enablement Leadership Council that we had put together at Forrester. And when I met Tamara, she was, the, she was in charge of the energy vertical at, uh, at T-Systems. And she was so frustrated <laughs> with the amount of materials provided for, uh, pr- provided for for sales. She got she developed this concept that she'd called spot on, which was a content based way to uh, to address some of these challenges. And she actually moved from being in the a business unit into running sales enablement. So what I love about Tamara's story is that she's got a different entry point than a lot of us. A lot of us, a lot of our sales enablement members come from training or come from the field. A few of them come from marketing. Not too many come from, come from a business unit background. So Tamara's perspective is so interesting and fascinating. And one of the things that uh, I talk to her a lot about is we got to get more, uh, we have to do a lot better job of making sure people realize where you came from and why you advocate the things that you do. Uh, the, the other thing that I'm really excited about, uh, Tamara joining the show, a lot of people know her, a lot of people have read her blogs, and uh, many, of, many of the people have read her book, uh, and her book is a great way to, to have a foundation. So, uh, Tamara, how did, you, how did you arrive here on this show to give us a little bit of background about uh, our relationship and you know, wh- why are you here today? Yeah, so what a great story, opening story from you, Scott. Thanks so much for having me. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, we are basically in touch over the last 10 years. And um, yeah, I'm, I'm following the podcast. It's, for me, it's always hard to make the time to really sit down and listen to, to an hour podcast or so. So whenever I, I'm in the car and I'm going to see my mother, this is two hours one way and two hours back, then I take the time to catch up with the Inside the Nations podcast. And I have to say what I love a lot about it is that the podcast provides different perspectives, looks at um, the same issue from different perspectives, different roles, uh, discusses different concepts and principles people can apply. And I think this is especially in our um, fast moving worlds where we, where change and volatility is, is the normal thing, the normal, um, state of doing things. It's very important to understand basic principles so that we can apply them in, in every situation. And I think this is especially important for any person who has in any kind of enablement role. So this is why I reached out to you, whatever, <laughs> what we frequently do. And so this is, I think how I got here today. Yes. So one thing that you'll know as uh, Insider Nation, we want you to come up with with ideas. So Tamara sent an email about, um, I think it was the 
the one that we did in systems thinking recently. And, and, uh, you know, then it triggered a lot of past conversations that we had. I said, Vilfredo oh, Pareto. That's so right. One of my favorite. Yes. Yes. So there's always going to be something. So it's interesting yeah. what, whether it's the centering story that gets you like, Oh, or whether it's uh, what, what the conversation was, but what, what we want to do is encourage you to just shout out like, Hey, here's what's resonating with me. Here's what you think. Then I'm going to contact you. And then we're going to put together and we say, Hey, let's mm -hmm. do a show. And the show that we're going to talk about here is laying foundations. And one of the things that I know about uh, Tamara that um, uh, is near and dear to her heart is the idea of a charter. So talk to me about why a charter is so important. And then ha hold on, before we do that, audience, <laughs> I'm going to ask you to do something here. Don't roll your eyes. Stop it. Just listen for a second. Because a charter is not a shopping list of a bunch of tasks to do, go do. So it's not that. What is it, Tamara? To me, it's a survival kit for an enablement leader. So it's absolutely mandatory for the enablement leader. So if, if you're in that role, um, you want to have that blueprint for yourself that has been created uh, with all teams and roles that are involved, that's approved by a senior executive so that this is your blueprint you're going for. Um, so it's, it's not an exercise you do for somebody else. It's not something you, you do for finance or controlling. And, and it's definitely not filling out a form. <laughs> That's the absolutely last step when you put all the pieces together. It's a creative process of co-creating the blueprint you need in your organization, in your context, where you're currently at to achieve your goals, you, you have to achieve with enablement to meet your company's uh, sales objectives. So let's unpack this a little bit together. So if I'm listening, I might think a blueprint, wow, that sounds really heavy, technical diagram and everything like that. <laughs> what I just heard you say earlier on, Tamara, is, we got to be principals in dealing with a rapidly changing world. How does a document do that? I, I think about a charter as just a document. What actually is, what, what does that mean? What is a charter and how does that help me lay a foundation for being successful? I mean, it's first of all, a, a really a living document. I would call it a living asset. Um, so I would look at it this way for everything you do in life if you don't take the time and get into an acceptance mode and assess where you currently are and are really honest on where you currently are, then you cannot map out where you want to go. And only if you have this point A and this point B, you can say, okay, this is where we're at. This is what we need to do in order to achieve a certain goal. And all the the, the journey in between, that's a journey you can't win alone. You can't walk it alone. You have to do it in an enablement role, always with other team members. And to map this out so that actually everyone knows at the end of the day what to do and how to do it, this is the creative process and laying out the steps and then also the principles, how you want to work together. So this is how I would look at this. So it really helps you because you will always run into situations. I had this with a couple of clients this year. You know what? We, we, we've had a charter and, and some really had done great work and great efforts in the beginning of the year. Then COVID hit and everyone was getting into panic mode. And then all the great ideas and strategies were set apart. And then, um, how should I call it? Uh, you call about productitis. This is actionitis. How should we call this? You know, people <laughs> just started in, in. Doing stuff to do stuff's sake. Yeah, it, it is. It's exactly it. So we just want to show that we do things, that we take action, whatever it is, but we have taken action. And then the strategy is a way we do maybe we fall back into patterns we we've had in the past. We know they're actually not, not working very well, but we, we showed, Hey, Hey guys, we showed that we have taken action. And this is very difficult. I'm currently working uh, with clients to help them to work 
with their senior executives to go back on, you know what, the crisis mode was actually not so very successful. We still have the, the same basic challenges. So let's map out how we could actually get back on track and really tackle them in a, in a more effective way. Yeah, I think one of the things that comes to mind, and I'd love your reaction to this, what comes to mind is that quote by Einstein is, what's the definition of insanity? Doing the same things over again and expecting a different result. Mm -hmm. And I think what, what, what you're talking about here and the way that this is relating to me is a charter is really the opportunity that you have to talk through or write down or codify some way. So it doesn't need to be just a Word document. It could be PowerPoint. Shoot, it could be hieroglyphics and pictures. Whatever works for you. Yes. But really the, the idea is we need to write down, here is our problem. Let's make sure people understand what our real problem is so we're not chasing symptoms. Here is the nucleus or the, the, the enabling capability we have to develop. And then here's the sequence of events that we need to lay it out so that we get uh, forward momentum and we can fix the plane while it's flying. That's, that's what I'm, I'm hearing from you in that if yep. you don't have that documented or clarity of thought, clarity, mm -hmm. I'm, I'm using that word on purpose for you. I'm setting you up. <laughs> I, <know you're laughs> I see that. <laughs> um, <laughs> but that, that, that clarity of purpose then it's almost impossible to galvanize and, and really orchestrate all the resources around you. That's, that's what I'm taking from that. Is, is that right? Is that what, what you're laying down or how would you add to that? Yeah, so it, the clarity is, is really very, very important, especially in the beginning. So if I don't know where I'm at, I have a hard time, you know, to, to even define a departure point for all my team members and collaboration partners. I want to start on this journey. So I really need to know where I'm at. So if I can't map this out where I'm at, we will all start at different, at different stages and we'll never come together. Uh, so we want to make sure that we can take everyone on the hike on that journey together. So this is why clarity on where we're at right now is, is really key to success. And then the clarity on the point of departure, what does it really mean? As you said, Scott, it's about well, what is the real problem we are having? And I think this is for enablement teams dealing with different business units, different senior executives that all have different agendas, really challenging, which is why I'm saying this is your survival kit throughout the year. Because in that role, I mean, Scott, you know that, I mean, there is not a single week when somebody will come into your office now, call you or Zoom you and tell you, you know, I need this and I need that. And what you've done here is great, but we need it differently because we are so special. So if you don't have this survival kit, um, your charter business plan, however you call it, this blueprint, this structure, then you can say, oh, great, by the way, this is on uh, this is on our agenda, maybe in a month from now on, or no, sorry, but this has not been prioritized, we're not going to do this right now, or we map it to the current situation, maybe there were changes, we, we reflect it, but then you have a foundation from where you can actually do it, otherwise you will be moved around um, from left to right and, and, and back to the left and, and, and so on. And you will do a ton of stuff. You will be extremely busy without, without achieving anything. Yeah. That's the danger where many enablement teams yes. run into. And then they have a hard time to actually show, oh, this was the business result we were impacting. And then you have a crisis like COVID or whatnot. And then a finance guy comes around the corner and says, do we need these guys? Right. Yes. And so let me, there was so much there um, that I want to un unpack a lot of these things to, to help you, our listener, uh, relate to them. So one thing, that pattern. So mm -hmm. one, of, one of the challenges that's difficult for a lot of us to think about is more or less like a story arc <laughs> that mm -hmm. um, when we're in sales enablement, we have to be thinking about the end in mind. And what is it? What are what are things going to look like a year from now? Not mm -hmm. how do I clear my inbox from today, mm -hmm. which is filled up by stuff from yesterday, right? Mm -hmm. So one reason of having a going through the exercise of creating this uh, this charter 
-hmm. one of the things that it helps you do is think about time um, differently. And what Tamara is saying, and I'm going to ask you to confirm this, her and I have seen the same play over and over and over again. Sales enablement group starts, sales enablement group expands, sales enablement group gets uh, eliminated because finance says, what are we getting for our money? And that site, then that company won't have a sales enablement group a while, but the problem that has never been addressed bubbles up, sales enablement starts, builds out, finding a different CFO pops that this cycle continues over and over and over again. The way to break that cycle is to think, how does this all come together? What's the holistic plan? Is that, is that fair, uh, Tamara? Do you see the same patterns? Yeah, absolutely. And I think, yeah. And to your point, speaking shutting down by finance guys, it's, this is a part of this co-creation of a charter of a blueprint, I would call it, it's really to map out coming from the business strategy, what are the metrics your senior executives are measured by? So this is just really one of the key things in one of our two worlds. Then I hear you, okay, but we don't really impact this metric, maybe revenue growth directly. No, we don't do it directly, but we do it indirectly. But what yep. you can do, if you know these metrics, you can go back and say, okay, Given the fact, let's assume we have identified a real problem or we are tackling it with our enablement services. Let's assume that for a moment. And you can start with measuring leading indicators, conversion rates, for instance. And you can see, okay, are we doing the right things right now to be able to impact the broader goal? I mean, this is the logical flow you want to map out in your charter. So that you have this available to you when you need it for, um, for a conversation. So one of the things that Tamara's talking about right now, and this is why I love this format, because we get, to, we get to hear people talk in flow, and I get to brag on their unconscious competence. Uh, so I love, I love highlighting out things that people do really well, they don't realize they're doing it well and differently. So one of the things that we've been sharing, Brian and I've been sharing on our podcast has been, if you've been tracking this idea of commercial ratio. Uh, so we've had a few podcasts uh, about it. We had Tom uh, sharing his point of view when we introduced it in a webinar. Um, we've had a, another person who's got a, a, a perspective of, do we even really need it? I don't get it, right? That, that kind of perspective. And then also we had somebody who Tamara knows. So Tamara, you know Kanal Mehta, right? Yeah. So Kanal, uh, Kanal is, has joined us many times. He works at, uh, at, at TCV mm-hmm. and shared insights about what investors look at. And the reason that these things are important is a lot of us inside our community, because, we're in t- because we don't know enough about financial language, we get intimidated by it and we can get really rigid about it. What Tamara's saying is, look, lean into it and embrace it. Just try to understand it more. The metrics that your investors are going to be looking at are one thing. The metrics that your CEO is looking at are going to be different than the metrics that, but they're driven from the metrics of of your investors and the metrics that your CFO might uh, have are are looking at differently. And if you can connect the dots between those things, then what it allows you to do is prioritize your activities. So that's one aspect of, of building a charter. And Tamara has that expertise because she ran a PL. Many of us inside our community haven't run PLs before. So how would we go about getting that get, getting that knowledge? But that's just one element of putting together the pieces of, of a charter. Tamara, what would be some other pieces that you would go through to build what you would consider a good charter or a good foundation? Yeah, let me come from that perspective. What I see a lot, what's missing in charters is so there is, for instance, a mission statement in the charter. And then we actually missed the part on, on the metrics. We, we missed the, the part on, on, on purpose and, and really sales strategy and challenges. And then we move directly into the list of activities. Yeah. And that is a, a big danger. And I, let's discuss this is what I see in many conversations where this is coming from. So people come into an enablement role with the intrinsic motivation to help 
And what comes with that compassionate energy is that I know what's good for you. Yes. Which results into the fact, you know, I've done this awesome program in the last company I worked for. This is awesome. This will work. We do it here. So that means then the charter gets a tool to bring in a program that's already predefined. Yep. And that's not going to work. This is why, this is why how I always talk or write or explain a charter is you have to understand the principles of the process to, to, to walk through you that you come up with a blueprint, a charter, a business plan, whatever works for you that works in your organization, in your context at this point in time. So let, let me pause you yeah, there because yeah. I think that's, there's a lot to what you just said. What Tamara is talking about is one of the reasons why I'm a big fan of saying um, um, I'm not really a big fan of quote unquote best practices. I'm a fan of right practices. And the reason I, I say that is if you go out and say, well, this worked, it's, I, I learned, say I went to the Sales Enablement Society conference and I learned, how, you know, Tamara's spot on project. And then I asked for her deck. And um, I repeated exactly in my company and how come it didn't work? Well, it can't work because mm -hmm. Tamara designed her spot on project specifically for her company. Her company has its own business drivers. They are running their own race. They've got their own culture. They've got their own unique uh, org structure. And she's starting at a different place than you are. So that's why I think it's important. What, what did Tamara say earlier on? This is about understanding where you are and being honest with that. That means taking a really good hard look at what your company's structure looks like. Who are the sales leaders who may or may not endorse this? Uh, where are you coming from? What's your power base? But if your power base is, I was successful with a project here and now we're going to impose it on everybody else. That's not going to work. And if you think about it, do you like other people imposing their will on you? <laughs> you know, it's, it's, it's just, it's one of those things where many people in sales enablement say, hey, I'm here to help and you want to help and you, you advocate for humanity, but then you don't apply the same principles that you'd want to apply. You don't apply the golden rule on it and you want to impose your will on other people. So I think that's why it's so important for you to spend the time to really understand how your organization works. Wouldn't you say that that's one of the, a, a critical success factor of, be, of the process, the benefit of going through the process of doing a good charter is to understand what those things are so that you leverage principles to make it work for your company? Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, in, in many contexts, we, we usually talk about the company is on a growth journey and, you know, it's, it's all about growth and have to facilitate that. We also have different situations. We have large organizations who are number one in their market and the market itself is not growing a lot right now. So a company in that situation has very different challenges or probably they're expanding in a different market. So they will need in that industry a very different strategy than in, in, in the old one where they come from. So it's just very important to really, really understand the business strategy and the current challenges. And um, when you have interviews with your senior executives, I would always encourage you to have interviews, not just reading a business strategy, talk to these people. Um, even if you can only get 20 minutes of your time, but let them talk about the strategy and the challenges they see. And you will probably get, if you talk to five senior exes, you'll probably get three different perspectives shared from a different role, from a different lens they have. And now it's probably worth the time to invest in some kind of audit or assessment to get some data in place that that really create credibility in your organization. So in, in my previous analyst role, and, and Scott, it was probably the same for you. People ask, can I use the data here? Can I use this? And depending on the relationship they had with a the company, they can do it, of course. But it's not always, it, it's actually, it, it makes always what you do more credible if you have third-party data. But then you always run into the risk, yep, yeah, that doesn't apply for us. We are different. Right. 
that's just not working this way. So if you have some kind of data that really comes out of an audit or an assessment you did, and um, what I'm currently working with a partner on is um, to have very laser-focused audits that help you to understand what are the patterns in the sales force you only have to deal with. Because you run very often situations like, you know, we our close rate isn't good enough. So then somebody comes in, you know, there is this great negotiation training. We just have them to, to get better at closing. But this is a symptom. And the symptom doesn't get better, you know, when we just polish the mirror. Yeah. The problem that reflects into the mirror will stay the same. And this is probably we really weren't good enough at diagnosing the problem and um, and co-creating the value for that business problem, just as an example. So that's one of the, the problem symptom things that usually comes up. So on the charter level, you really want to point out the problem and then you develop your enablement strategy based on that. So one of, there's um, two things that I want to react to, and I wish that um, we can learn how to make the podcast a whiteboarding session. So <laughs> I would like everybody to sort of imagine right now, imagine in your head, we're at a whiteboard. And what I'm drawing are two concentric circles that are connecting with each other. One is I'm calling it strategy. And the other one, I'm labeling it tactics. Okay. And we have to converge these. So what I heard Tamara say is, hey, on the business side, go and interview your, your executives. This is an area I think our, our field isn't paying enough attention to. And we skip by and say, oh, that's too theoretical or whatever. I can't stress enough for you mm -hmm. how important it is to go and interview different executives because they do have different variations of or perspectives mm -hmm. of the overall company mission. And that that is where expectations come from. Expectations are more important to manage than metrics. Metrics are, you know, what you do mm -hmm. operationally. It's, it's drive the tactics. Yeah. But how you manage and balance the expectations of all of your key stakeholders is really, really important. And one thing that we've found, I'm going to tell you an anecdote. I'm going to tell everybody an anecdote. Tamara, you don't even know this anecdote. So I'm excited that we're having a space to talk about it. <laughs> but when people have different perspectives uh, of what the mission is, and then they go off and direct other people to go do things, it puts you as the sales enablement person at risk. Mm -hmm. If you don't have clarity uh, of purpose among the leadership, you are at risk and you're never going to be able to meet expectations. So let me give you a story, a real concrete story that happened. Uh, one of the things that I've, uh, I've moved to in, in terms of our deliverables and how we drive change is leveraging design thinking techniques because part of the, the challenge is to get people on the same page. We want to expose these things, but as you know, Tamara, people are, only, are best convinced by things they discover themselves. Um, you can't come in and say, well, you have these gaps. Of course I don't have these gaps. <laughs> We're locked in. So what we did is we took quotes. So I interviewed the CEO of, of their strategy and we took four quotes from that interview and, and put them in a, in a screen. And we had the entire, we had a, a group of Brian, you know, the session I'm talking about, there are about 30 different executives at director and VP levels. Right. Yeah. Right, yep. And we put these quotes on and we said, who said this and what do you think? And what's interesting is, oh, I know for sure that's insert sales leader. And there he goes again, hyping what we can't sell. Who is that? Who is, right. Then there was another one. <laughs> oh, whoever said that doesn't know the first thing about our industry. Um, or our product. Or our products, mm. right. Then there's another one. Oh, God, can you quit complaining about our lack of delivery? Jeez. Uh, so the point is all four of these quotes and obviously um, non-disclosure prevents us from sharing even more detail, but the, the key point was no one thought that these quotes were from the executive, all of the CEO, all of them thought it was somebody lower level. Mm -hmm. uh, the third thing is no one agreed. And then when we revealed all of these were, are, are quotes are your CEO, and this is the direction that uh, your company is going because your investors are behind it and, and, and et cetera, it was really eye-opening. Mm -hmm. And 
that it's, it creates the, oh my gosh, maybe we need to take a step back a bit. Mm -hmm. The reason I share that is I don't think we do enough of holding the mirror back mm -hmm. to say, and we say, we expect management. We, how come sale, the sales plan is different than the marketing plan? Well, mm -hmm. if you're in the middle and you're being asked to quote unquote enable sales and make it better, and these two aren't on the same page, if you're not getting them on the same page, you're going to get blamed for the, for the lack, for those gaps. Yeah, and you're setting up, you're set up for failure. That's right. And yeah. to me, this is one of the benefits of going through the process. And I mm -hmm. know a lot of you are thinking, well, I don't have time to do that. Mm -hmm. I think Tamara and I would both agree, we don't think you have time not to do it. Yes. Yes. Right? It's just so, like we don't have the time to really develop a proper value messaging, but okay, we, we have the time to accept a low win rate. Right. Yeah, <laughs> and I think it's it'd not be also, the case, yeah. And I think it's also helpful to say, well, you know, I've, we've had, we've seen 15 different sessions on charters out in the market. I've, I've went to three of them and they're all saying the same thing. This is different. You know, so the, the word charter in this conversation, don't let it trip you up. Mm -hmm. You know, this is the, this is important because um, it carves out the, the license to operate. And yeah, when, it is why I said it's a survival kit, a license to operate. These are all great terms that really describe the need for, for, for you who are in a sales enablement leader role. So, so the other thing to, to help you as a sales enablement leader, to help you envision this differently. Um, we have uh, on, on our show this idea that you should run sales enablement as a business within a business. And, uh, you know, I'm going to telegraph a, a little bit about the post-COVID research that we had. And uh, Tamara, you were on one of our panels. Uh, one of the questions that we asked sales enablement leaders was, um, what, what would your letter to shareholders sound like? Mm -hmm. And that was what, that was your favorite question. And I, and what I want to do is, uh, you know, get, get you talking a little bit about Tamara, about how important it is to have a mission statement and what actually is a mission statement. You're, you're not, you're probably not going to find a good mission statement definition by looking at textbooks. You probably would find a better mission statement by looking at how, at trying to model, like write out a letter to shareholders or mm -hmm. go and look at uh, how CEOs communicate their business to the rest of the company. And that's something that's re that resonated a lot with you. Tell me why that resonated a lot with you, given this conversation about how important a charter is. Yeah, it is. You know, I'm from, from my thinking here. I'm a big picture person that creates a blueprint around a big picture and then tackles it down to the details. And then we're operating on that. So this is why it <laughs> always resonates um, absolutely with me. So... There are challenges to develop this and there is a lot of resistance to do it, which prevents you from doing it. So just what you shared, Scott, with a statement from executives, you anonymize them and share them and it was that, oh, they have no idea and they didn't understand the business or the products or whatnot and no, no executive ever said that. So this is resistance on all levels. Yep. If we have resistance within ourselves, within a group, within an organization, we won't solve any problem because the resistance stands in the way of accepting what is. And if we don't accept what is and look really into the current state, we cannot come up with a vision, we cannot come up with a mission statement, and we also cannot come up with a purpose with a clear purpose for the enablement initiative, function, program, whatever. It's not easy for, for many people to, to follow that because then you think, oh, we don't have the time for do it, which is, which is do this activity and that program and so on. I mean, you can continue to do that, but probably you're not that successful um, right now with that because you, you still, you operate on these underlying problems. So having these conversations with different executives is one way to get to a point to, okay, we can at least accept that we have very different perspectives in the room. And, and if I have to serve with my team, you as a group of executives, <clears throat> we are not at the same page. We can imagine that we will have some challenges on the way. So, Taking a step back is taking it on a higher level, on a more aggregated level to say, what is the vision 
for the customer facing part of the organization. I would start there. So what do we want to achieve? What is the vision, which means where do we want to be? And the mission then is how do we want to get there on a high level? And then we come down to, okay, and then we can detail the strategy, the more detailed level of the vision, how do we, are we going to do this? And then we can connect the tactics to it. What is it we actually have to do to fulfill that strategy, to lift that uh, mission, to, to achieve um, the vision we articulated in the, first, in the first place. And then it's very simple at the end of that process to say, okay, and the enablement role is to be, for instance, orchestrating all the different streams to achieve that, to achieve that vision, for instance. Or yes. something like that. But this is also very important. The purpose really defines why do we exist? Right. You should have an answer to it. That's right. And in what I'm a fan of is what, what did I use to shape my thinking is I said, huh, none of these definitions of charters work for me. Why don't I go into the investor world? And in the investor world, they'll evaluate a company on its raison d'etre. I'm like, what the heck does that mean? Well, it's French. For, for whatever reason, investors like to use French, like tranches and things like that. I have no idea why. You know, I'll learn that. Maybe we'll have uh, That's hilarious. Janal on and put him on the hotspot and say, why is French such a big deal with uh, <laughs> investors? Maybe it sounds fancy. I don't know. But sounds elegant. <laughs> it is elegant. That's true. That's true. So a raison d'etre really just means why do you exist? And that's one thing investors will look at is, is because does the company, does this entity that they're investing in, is it clear and is it focused? And when we go in, in, in to, to what we're talking about here, it, does your business, your charter, the reason you exist, is it clear? Because if it's not clear and it's just a bunch of words that are uh, you know, authorizing you to go do tasks, you're at huge risk. Because from an investor standpoint, how, how am I giving you money and what, do you, what is your focus to convert it into value for me? So stepping that down, Tamara is going to get money, is going to be asking for money in the case of where our story started and meeting. She's going to be asking money for different stakeholders within T-Systems. She definitely wants to, she, boy, how many role plays did we do, Tamara, right? <laughs> oh, my, oh my goodness. <laughs> yeah. Um, lots of role playing about, well, what's my return on investment going to be? How am I going to defend it before she asks for the adult money? And that's something that a lot of us don't do in our, in our community. We look at it as a form. And to Brian's point out there, there are some people out there talking about charters and they say, hey, fill this form out. Look how easy it is. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think we would all agree that uh, Tamara would agree that that is a big mistake. It isn't easy. Your job isn't easy. If you think your job is easy, then you're not, you're going to be valued that way. You're not going to get the resources. You're not going to get the raises. You're not going to have the impact that's required for things to keep moving forward. You're a change agent and change is hard. For all of the reasons Tamara outlined, and the only way that you're going to be able to get your head around that is to be able to accept, I need to learn about strategy. I can't, when strategy people talk and you, and you say, oh, that's theoretical, you need to check yourself because a lot of people put a lot of work into that. And it's not theoretical to them. <laughs> so uh, immediately, if you talk that way, guess what you're doing? You're alienating yourself from a lot of very important stakeholders. Uh, so there's a lot of different nuances to this, and, and a lot of this has to come to things that Tamara's been very consistent about, which is we need to put ourselves in other people's shoes. We need to have empathy. It's not just empathy for the salespeople. We have to have empathy for all of the people involved in our, in our, in our community, in our ecosystem. Um, any thoughts on that, Tamara? Is that, is that more like where you're coming from and what, why you're so passionate about a charter it's not filling out a form it's it's factoring all these things to be successful yeah it's creating your survival kit yeah yeah absolutely and it's uh, i would add to having empathy for all the stakeholders around absolutely um i would add to this don't judge their perspectives they are their perspectives as you have your perspective 
and just go into acceptance mode and then build on from that current state and then you can see how to connect the dots which is then the, the you know the principle of orchestrating things so how can we align different perspectives of the strategy you know what is um you know what are what is at the core of different perspectives and then you can um, make this transparent and that increases the clarity for everyone. So if you take that on a higher level, you get a lot more clarity on it and then you can derive what you really need to do. You said another word that I love, transparency. Nothing gives you credibility more than transparency. It is far better to give an executive an answer, I don't know, I'll tell you tomorrow, than make up something that isn't true. Yeah. Okay, so I'm gonna, I'm gonna summarize this stuff and then we'll let Brian, uh, Brian wrap it up. Let's connect some dots um, to our centering story about Brunelleschi. So Brunelleschi started out as a sculptor. Many of us starting at, are, are starting out in this space in different ways. Tamara started out as a, as a business unit person. I started out as, a, as an individual salesperson pulled out of the field. Um, many of you are starting out as, uh, as trainers being tapped on the shoulder. So a lot of us uh, start out here as uh, VPs or directors of, of broken things. Just like uh, Brunicelli developed a, a interim step before his big accomplishment is a linear perspective. So part of what, what we're going to have to learn to do is instead of saying, hey, this thing, this program worked and now we're going to impose it on everybody else, we need to learn perspective as well. So we have to develop skills to be able to do that. And then finally, uh, in order to uh, build the DUMO, um, we need to have a construction diagram because there's so many different variables to do. Brunelleschi even had to innovate different, uh, different tools and different mechanisms in order to do the construction to build the design uh, of, of what, what, what was looked for. So those are, those are the ways that I'm connecting the dots. Does that resonate with you, Tamara? You want to you know, elaborate on that a bit? Yeah, absolutely. So actually, it's great to go back to Brunelleschi and the, the Duomo in, in, in Florence. Um, so I think to bring this vision from, from the dome back to something that's more practical for many people is building a house. But I think what, what the whole story of Brunelleschi makes so, um, you know, so applicable because there was the vision to build such a beautiful building uh, nobody has ever seen before. Yeah. So it was this vision. Yes. And I think if, for all those of you who have ever built a house, there was the vision how it should look like, how it should work, how it should function, how you want to live in that, what experience you want to have in that new building, in, in your new home. So, and there are so many dots to be connected, the architectural foundation, electricity, the networks, the heating, the water, the gas, the oil, the solar systems, whatever. And you you wouldn't have the idea, oh, that's, you know, that's too complicated. I simplify it, you know. <laughs> I don't care about the water or the gas. You wouldn't you would never do that. Mm -hmm. So you accept because you know what a house should look like, that all these things have to happen and you need to do interior stuff in the kitchen and the bathroom and all this stuff. You accept that because you know it already. And what we don't know when we start out with enablement, we, we don't have a clear vision of how the, the future should look like. And then we think it's not necessary. We just go ahead with what we have done and we have this program and that one and, you know, some magic will make it happen. Think this is probably what really the, the 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 centering story really brings back, and I think that at the, at, at the end of the podcast to say, okay, there was this vision from this big and beautiful dome, something is that has never been built before, and we need the blueprint that guides us to do this. Awesome, that's a great uh, that's a great place to end our portion of it. So, Brian, uh, connect the dots for our listeners and tie yeah, it back sure. to being an orchestrator please. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And I think the first dot I have to connect is, hey, uh, you know, you guys never told us this whole thing was about a charter until we started listening to it. So now you know why. <laughs> it's about laying foundations. And uh, I didn't, we didn't want to put, we didn't want to put the word charter in the title because we think that you might not have listened. 
quite frankly. <laughs> so uh, by thinking about this in terms of laying foundations, uh, you guys really covered a lot of ground. And I'm going to use the six uh, aspects of orchestrator. And the first one I'm going to go with is uh, this idea of, of uh, creating momentum. And I love this concept of it's a survival kit. And Tamara started with that and said that this document, whatever it looks like, um, it's a living asset. It's about understanding where you are and being honest with that. Um, the second part is once you understand, you know, where you're at and also what's in, in the document itself so that you can get momentum, it's about doing it with other people and uh, not doing it alone. Uh, there's so much isolation. Um, and, and you guys talked about this idea of we've done it before. We know what best practice is. So let's just roll it out. Uh, everybody's doing it. Um, and this idea of how do we do it with people, the, the, the document helps do that. Um, the charter helps do that. And when you, do, when you have those two things as a kind of a frame, you know, I've got to create momentum. I want to do this with people. Then you can say, okay, um, where are we now and, and where do we want to be? This idea that Tamara talked about of point A to point B. If I really want to do this uh, to um, you know, carve this out and do it with, with others, I have to understand what this gap is or else I'm going to default to who's the loudest or you know, um, maybe it's just a, a prioritization based on first in, first out. Uh, what's the value of that? And if you don't tackle those uh, concepts and, and confront that reality, which is the third piece, then it's really hard to answer the question of, uh, you know, why, why are you here uh, when the finance folks come, come around? And that's the idea of prioritizing um, the right goal uh, for what you're doing. When, you at, when the finance team comes around and says, why are you here? Or why does your function exist? Which they don't, they don't really do that. But if you, if you, if you were to say, okay, uh, pretend that they did and, and uh, you didn't get, get laid off, uh, what would that look like? Um, you better have an answer um, to that or else you're, gonna be, you're not going to be prioritizing the right goals at the right moments. You're going to be prioritizing other people's goals. And quite frankly, those goals are going to be in conflict. And Scott outlined this idea of if you're not rationalizing that, if you're not orchestrating, if you're not bringing those perspectives together and you have two conflicting um, priorities, uh, and and, the, and your initiative doesn't work. You're you're the one that's that's uh, on the hook for that. And then um, when you look at okay, we're going to do that. We're going to we're going to bring these things together. The right goal. We're going to confront reality. Uh, how do we design this? Well, you have to be clear. And Tamara talked about let's get to root cause. Let's not tackle symptoms. You have to get to root cause. Understand the measures. And more importantly, she talked about idea the idea of. Uh, understanding the sales strategy and the business strategy. And that's oftentimes the gap that's missing. So how are you going to drive results by design if you haven't even thought of what the sales strategy is or the business strategy is? And, and, you know, more importantly, you're not able to talk about that with the executives. And all of that means if you, you know, if you do those things, if you, if you do what we're talking about here, you're going to focus on the right mission and the right goals. You're going to be able to drive the right strategy. You're going to be able to, understand what everybody's perspective is, there's that word again, and bring it together and bring it forward into a document that gains agreement. Um, not consensus, because somebody's probably not gonna be necessarily happy with everything that's in there, but you're gonna, you're gonna be able to gain agreement on what's important for the business. And uh, to Scott's point, um, the knowledge that you need to be able to pull this off goes way beyond your knowledge and understanding of something like a methodology or, uh, you know, I know challenger sales, so therefore I can do this. Uh, we're, we're in a different zip code than that. So that's what the, 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 the charter document that we're talking about does to help lay that foundation. So that's, that's my recap. Um, when you do those things that we just outlined, you'll be able to focus on the mission and the goals, drive results by design, not by effort, guide narrative by confronting reality, prioritize the right goals at the right moments, unlock energy and create momentum and catalyze change through collaboration. That means you'll be an orchestrator. And that's, uh, that's my thoughts, Scott. Do you have anything you want to add or Tamara? Before? I thought it was perfect. I do too. Awesome. And I think there's a, well, very well done. But there's a lot of uh, things. So I'm trying to imagine uh, Tamara, let's sort of put together 
you're driving on your way home from, uh, from visiting your mom. And hopefully you'll go visit your mom more so you'll find more time to listen to our <laughs> podcast. But how, how would you go about digesting it? And how would you go about, what would you go about of listening to a podcast like this? How would you think about putting it into action? What would you do? Yeah, that's a great question. So what could you do next morning is maybe just look at what the foundation is you are currently working from. And then if you find some holes in that, so maybe really go back to, okay, let's dig into the business and the sales strategy. Let's understand this for a moment. And then in the next week, we go about really assessing the current state and we map against that what we are currently doing to really um, get this this flow going. Um, a simpler way for just mapping out for you what your next steps would be would simply be if you have a kind of charter right now and it's very activity-based, just look at your activities, map it to the business strategy and the challenges and really look at it. Is, it, is this really treating symptoms or is it treating the underlying root causes of it. So all that is might help you with a quick check to see probably we have some elements in place but we didn't address others or we don't even have a workaround for that. So just using these principles we shared to simply mirror this to where you're currently at and, and take appropriate next actions. Awesome. So I had a conversation with one of our listeners uh, four days ago. I was going to say on Monday, but who knows when this is going to be, re- be releasing. And um, so I, what I'm trying to get into is, an, is, is ask a question. What's one thing that we can do, Brian and I can do, uh, to improve the podcast? So she, uh, putting her on the spot, her gut reaction, her name was Del, and she said, uh, give me one thing to go do. So here's a suggested one thing to go do. Um, here's an activity. Go find a letter to shareholders that's written by a well-respected company. Maybe pick Apple's, maybe pick, uh, maybe pick uh, Amazon's. Pick one of those, read it, use that as a model. Now write your own letter to shareholders in the same vein for your group and see what, where those gaps are. One of the things that we've learned is that this stuff is done through experience by actually doing stuff rather than doing theoretical stuff. And um, that's one thing that you can go do. So where would you go and find more information about it? Uh, Well, number one, a a lot of the podcasts that we've talked about all are talking about these things one way, shape, or form. If you listen to them, they are all connected. And they're connected because it's about human experience. That's why we lead with these centering stories. Brian, but there's also there's some website that, that you've been working on? What is that website and where can people go to get even more information like slides that, uh, that, that we've shared or uh, other kinds of tangible things that people can go and download and print out and look at? That's right. For our most active listeners, you probably have noticed this, but we've been uh, socializing and now it's ready to go. Uh, it's at orchestratesales.com. Check out orchestratesales.com. It's our new site, new community. All the podcasts are there. And we have a lot of content that we've been uh, organizing around the orchestrator role and concept. Like what? What could well, I we, find there? Well, you can find uh, recordings of Scott's webinars. Uh, we've got also uh, a, a guide to understanding the site. And uh, there are other people in the site in talent enablement, message enablement, pipeline enablement, and organizational enablement, all sharing ideas and more importantly, uh, working on stuff together. So there's actually a login area where you can network. How's that awesome. different than the Sales Enablement Society? Well, the uh, Sales Enablement Society, you know, you and I started that, Scott. And uh, I would say that when you look at this site, orchestratesales.com, we're really targeting the orchestrators that are dealing with and managing the complexity that we've outlined here with Tamara. And when you look at that role, they need um, unique and very specific kind of help. And that's what we're providing there. You can kind yeah. of think of that site as like the Delta Force for sales enablement. I, I, I want to stress that. Brian are both huge, huge fans and members of the Sales Enablement Society. We think it's great. 
uh, there are different people along the journey. If you've heard, we're bringing in people who have many, many years of experience. Tamara, how long have you been working on this stuff? Great question. It's now 11, 12 years. Right. And she's even written a book on it. And what we're trying to do is create a community that's, I don't want to say walled off, but a community dedicated to people who want to make it uh, to, to elevate the role, concentrate on, on having conversations about things that work rather than uh, things to go do, uh, because a lot of the information that's put out there are, are by people who are just getting started. Mm-hmm. And we're, we're building a community for people who are, who've been doing this for a while. Where, where would you go and learn the craft of Brunelleschi, for mm-hmm. example, in Florence, uh, Michelangelo learned from him and, yeah. you know, Leonardo, they learned from each other. That's what we're trying to do is create that, that mechanism so we can share these, uh, share the expert opinions of people mm. who are doing it and have done it. Um, not uh, tech, tech, quote unquote, tactic, tactics to, to go and mm-hmm. uh, get, get started. That's what yeah. we're trying to build. Yeah. And I got to tell you, we've been piloting it for um, about two weeks, but the, the learning has been exponential between everybody that's in there. It's been phenomenal. So check it out. Put us on the spot too. So Dell, thank you for your, thank you for your contribution. Tamara, thank you so much. Uh, as you know, this show came 100% organically from an email Tamara sent. So these are the things that we want to drive our community. Please just share us reactions. Thanks so much for having me. Thanks for joining us. To become an insider and amplify your journey, please make sure you've subscribed to our show. If you have an idea of what Scott and Brian can cover in a future podcast or have a story to share, please email them at engage at orchestratesales.com. You can also connect with them online by going to orchestratesales.com, following them on Twitter, or sending them a LinkedIn connection request. 